This is Suddenly Family. I'm Samuel Burke, and these are the true stories of people's lives forever changed by at-home DNA tests. The DNA world is full of incredible adoption stories. Children who spend decades looking for their birth parents. They buy DNA tests from every company out there, hoping for a lucky break. When fate finally calls and there is a match, the videos of them meeting for the first time are joyous beyond words. But the DNA story of an adopted woman named Natasha Avery is unlike the journey of anyone else on the planet. I logged in to look at the report and I was like, whoa! How, how did this happen? This puzzle piece that I didn't know was missing but kind of knew was missing was falling into place. It felt amazing. One of the greatest moments of my life. A woman with six different parents. That's coming up on Suddenly Family. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you appreciate investigative storytelling. What if you had the chance to investigate and share important stories? Whether you want to dive into a new career in journalism or start your own investigative podcast, the Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Arizona State University offers a variety of graduate programs just for you. My first step was visiting cronkite.asu.edu where you can explore the master's degrees in investigative journalism, mass communication, and sports journalism. Now, back to Suddenly Family. Natasha, you were born and adopted in 1970 in Minnesota, where you were also raised. So take us back there. What was your childhood like? I had a really nice childhood. I had some of the things that are sad that happen to a child when they're growing up, you know, divorce and those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, my parents both remarried remarkable, lovely, loving people. And I feel blessed that I have a large and extended family as many of us do these days. And your parents were always open with you about where you came from? Yeah, I knew from as long as I can remember that I had been adopted. And it was never something that I ever felt shame or ashamed about. I would eagerly tell people that I was adopted as well. Because there were times, you know, as I was growing up, especially as I got older, and I would be out with my dad and my stepmom or my mom and my stepdad. And you could see when they would introduce me to people that sometimes they would look at me and look at them and kind of try to make the connection. And that, of course, I didn't resemble anybody. Did you know about your biological parents growing up? No, I knew nothing about my biological parents because when I was adopted in 1970, it was very common that adoptions were closed. Did you have any idea of what your ethnic background was, your heritage? So that's interesting. No, not like from a scientific perspective, but I think that I had been told that I was Russian and Norwegian. And I don't know why my mother thought that. I think that in some ways I resemble certainly sort of an Eastern European look. I think that there's so many Norwegians in Minnesota that maybe that was just a (laughs) perfunctory idea of what my DNA likely was. Because I always thought it was so weird. I remember like kind of confronting my parents 
like later in high school and being like, okay, well, you buy a car and you get like a folder of paperwork, but you adopt a child and they don't, they don't give you anything. Did you get a receipt? Like, it's just like, how can that be? But as I got older, those kinds of things did become something that I was much more interested and curious about. In my, I would say my mid-20s, when you start having more specific doctor's appointments and they ask you, what's your family history? It became more important to me to start thinking about trying to find out some of that information. And that's what precipitates Natasha's search for her biological mother. Natasha's in her 20s, this is in the 90s, and looking online for someone isn't an option yet. So she handwrites letters to agencies in her home state of Minnesota. Six weeks later, I got a letter back, and sure enough, it was the Affidavit of Disclosure, which meant it had her name and personal information that she had filled out about herself, her situation. And I was like, oh my God, like there it was right in front of me. I found her address and I wrote her a letter and I said, I believe that you're my biological mother. And when she got the letter, she called me immediately and she said, I'd love to meet you. And I said, so would I. Well, it turns out she lived 10 blocks from where I grew up. I went to her house and I just remember she opened her screen door and peeked out at me and smiled and I looked up and smiled at her and it was the first time I'd ever seen anybody that looked like me and it was just, it was awesome. Like I couldn't stop smiling. It was so cool. And what do you find out about your biological father? Well, so as the day went on, Janice, my biological mother, let me know that she had reached out to some mutual friends from back in the day to try to track down the man that was my biological father. And she hadn't talked to him since 30 years ago, right? So I was conceived in 1969. I think we can all do the math on what was going on in the world back then and how people were living their lives. That weekend, this man, Pete, happened to be in Minneapolis at an AA convention, and he lived in Alaska. So he comes over and he's just tickled and I don't know how to explain it, Samuel. I just didn't feel a connection to him at all. And I kind of tried to, I was polite and I kind of went along with it. He was nice. I just didn't feel a real connection to him. So as time went on, Janice and I have maintained a relationship. Your biological mom. Yes. And then Pete came to Seattle with his wife to visit and this was probably a year or two after I met him, so in the early 2000s. And that weekend was just, I can't even sort of describe, it was just bizarre. They were very difficult to be around. And I remember being at a meal with him and his wife, and like I literally had kind of an out-of-body experience. I'm like, what if I don't even know these people? Like, what if I'm just here and I don't even need to be here. They finally left and I was just like, oh my God, I don't ever want to see these people again. And I didn't see him again. He wrote me a couple letters and then it just kind of died off and I was okay with that. Natasha never sees him again. And just in case you've lost count, at this point, she's up to six parents. The two parents who adopted her they get divorced and both remarry, giving Natasha two step-parents. 
and now add in her biological mother and father, taking her up to a total of six parental figures in her life. Two decades pass, and in 2019, Natasha decides to take a DNA test. I think partly because I didn't have a relationship with my biological father and wanting to like really kind of look at like, yeah, I wonder what my ethnic makeup truly is. What does my DNA show, right? And so I got the test and sent it in and got it back in mid-January. And I logged in to look at the report and I was like, whoa. We'll be right back. Podcasts shed light on stories that otherwise may not be told. What if you could be that voice for someone? Well, you can. The Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Arizona State University allows you to do just that. Become an investigative journalist, a strategic communicator in the media field, or a thought leader in the world of sports. Do what I did. Visit cronkite.asu.edu to learn more about their graduate degrees. Who will you become at the Cronkite School? Now, back to Suddenly Family. And I logged in to look at the report and I was like, whoa. And it said I was 51% Ashkenazi Jewish. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I've always wanted to be Jewish. I've always had a ton of Jewish friends. I'm not a religious person, but anytime I've been in a synagogue, like I just kind of dig the whole scene. And I've liked the ceremonies and just the whole vibe of it all. And so I was like, wow, this is so cool. I actually texted Janice, my biological mom, and sent her a screenshot of my DNA pie chart. And I said, you must be more Jewish than you thought you were. And she wrote back and said, oh my God, Pete is not your biological father. I had a fling with a Jewish drummer from New York that had been visiting Minneapolis to record with Willie Murphy and the Bumblebees on a record called Running, Jumping, Standing Still. And I was like, oh my God. This is all via text message? This is all via text message. What goes through your mind and your heart when you get this text message? My heart was racing. I had goosebumps and I was like, oh my God. And it was really crazy. I just sort of felt like this puzzle piece that I didn't know was missing, but kind of knew was missing, was falling into place and like, it felt amazing. And I've always been a huge music person my whole life. So like when I tell people this story and explain what has happened, they look at me and they just shake their heads. They're like, Tosh, this says it all. I mean, this is so, so fascinating. This is like, so who you are. It's very interesting because most people have a shocking DNA result It's the complete opposite. They're crushed. They're nervous. You just said you're excited. Oh, my God. I was almost like I was relieved. It explained that visceral reaction. Who is this guy? I just didn't feel anything. In fact, I felt strongly something else. It was just weird, right? And so it essentially proved that that feeling that I had was valid and and actually a very real thing. So does your biological mother put you in touch with your biological father? No, 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 no. She didn't even remember his name. She had remembered the name of the album. So Willie Murphy was a very well-known musician in Minneapolis. So 
I went down a Google black hole for 48 hours. Once I found the name of the drummer from the record, then I started researching his name and looking up pictures. And as I start unraveling this story and finding out more about this person, I mean, it was amazing. He was a pretty well-known drummer back in the day. He played with Bob Dylan. He played with Joe Cocker. He played with Ike and Tina Turner. What goes through your mind as you're reading your biological father's name with these legendary musicians? I couldn't stop smiling. And I was also just, I was flabbergasted. I was just stunned. This is insane. This is so cool. And this makes so much sense. I was also like, I wonder if he's alive. I'm so worried that you're going to find out that he's already passed away, that you missed your opportunity. Well, so there were elements of that as this thing started to unwind. Natasha tracks down bands who've played with her biological father, Sandy Konikoff. But they say Sandy is somewhat reclusive, and they don't know how to get in touch with him anymore. They do have contact information for one of Sandy's cousins, and Natasha manages to track down another cousin she matches with through the DNA test. She gets in touch with her two new relatives, Randy and Robbie. Over the weeks that Robbie and I got to know one another, I call him my angel. He was so kind, so generous, so sweet, so considerate, and he was absolutely beyond excited. He said that this is the greatest thing that has happened to Sandy in over 20 years. You're in your 70s and all of a sudden this child comes out, right? You don't expect news of a new child to come in your 70s, do you? No, you don't. Are you on pins and needles as this is all happening? I am absolutely on pins and needles and more so Samuel while I did really want to chat with him and get to know him, I was also very, very nervous that it would upset him or his life. So they told him, in his words, he's so funny, he talks like a musician. He was knocked out, man. He was knocked out when he heard the news about me. <laughs> I was knocked out. She knocked me out. She was just wonderful. It was such a a mind-blowing story. How do you first find out that this woman is trying to get in touch with you? I find out through one of my cousins who is a doctor. Her name is Randy Konikoff. And that's how Natasha tracked me down. Do you know, man, you, you have a daughter. I go, what do you mean I got a daughter? What are you talking about? My cousin says, well, listen, let's do the 23andMe test and find out for sure. So anyways, I took the test. Turns out it's me. When you get the results and you see 100% parent-child match, what do you feel in that moment? One of the greatest moments of my life because she's so smart and successful and healthy and beautiful, everything a person would want for their child. Her adopted parents did a wonderful job. They deserve so much credit, Sam. 
How do you start forming a relationship with her? We finally connected by telephone, and we almost got to meet, but it didn't come to uh, pass. And then all of a sudden, this pandemic hit. I just hope that experts in the world figure out a cure for this as soon as possible. I'm so overwhelmed by this smart girl and the conditions that she went through in her whole life. What was it like? The ups and downs. And how she got to the position that she attained. I want to know these things, the intricate things. Do you enjoy this musical connection between the two of you, this deep love for music? Absolutely. She told me some of the music she likes. There's some of the people she likes I really like and admire, and there's some people that I, I don't know, but I like the name of the band. For example, one of the names of the band is called The Sound Garden. I thought that was a really cool name for a band. It's interesting because it makes you wonder nurture versus nature, this deep love of music, if it's something that runs in your DNA. You're right. Yes. And it's wonderful because she's very open to all kinds of music. As far as the other uh, things that they're into, I told Natasha was very honest with her. I said all the things like the sailboat. I said, Natasha, I'm not into any of that stuff. It terrifies me. I don't want to go on no boats. I'm not into that at all. What's the deeper meaning you see in all of this? Finding out that you're a father to this wonderful woman at this time in your life, later in life than most fathers find out that they fathered a daughter. Do you see a deeper meaning in all of it? 100%. I had no idea this was going to happen. I'm one of the luckiest guys I know. I'm so happy and lucky to have a person like Natasha in my life, and she's my daughter, is absolutely mind-blowing to me. I hope that me and Natasha can meet person to person where I can hug her, where we can embrace each other and, and just celebrate. For now, it's just calls between father and daughter Though recently, through Sandy's girlfriend's tablet, Natasha and Sandy were finally able to see each other for the very first time. We finally had a FaceTime call, and this was probably six weeks ago. It was so much fun. Like, she was holding the camera, and he was just grinning from ear to ear, and so was I. And we were both just so excited to finally be having a quote-unquote face-to-face conversation. And he wanted to play the drums for me, and he went into the room where his drums were, and she held it up, and he was doing all these different beats and telling me he couldn't wait for me to come and play. You know, he'd be able to teach me to play the drums, and he'd have me walking out of there a pro. And it was just, it was just a ton of fun. It was really cool. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was awesome. 
he's just trying to stay healthy and <laughs> and so am I, so that we can have that meeting, that face-to-face -face meeting and that hug. Can't wait for that to happen. You grew up with a lot of Jewish people, but now that you know you're ethnically Jewish, what does that mean for your relationship moving forward with Judaism or the Jewish people? Am I going to see you at synagogue the next time I go to a bar mitzvah? Or are you going to have a bat mitzvah? <laughs> I would like to go to like a proper Seder. I would like to go and experience synagogue on some of the high holidays. I haven't done that. I haven't been to synagogue for Yom Kippur or Rosh Hashanah or, or anything like that. And I think that I would just like to experience that and see what that feels like. Perhaps you, more than any other person I've met on this DNA journey, is best poised to answer this question because you've known the parents who raised you, you've known your biological parents, you've known parents who you thought were your biological parents who weren't. What does family mean? I've always felt unconditionally loved by my family. And now that I've uncovered the biological side of my family as well, I actually feel an unconditional love from Janice and Sandy and their extended families. So if you sort of correlate my quote-unquote adoptive family, I don't like to refer to them that way, they're my family, and my biological family, well, my family that raised me will always be closer to me because I've loved them longer and they've loved me longer. But I will say there's a thread of unconditional love that I see now that cuts through all of that. The feeling of unconditional love and what that feels like that line feels familiar. On the next episode, can two sisters weather a DNA storm? I called my older sister and I was hysterically crying and she got angry and she said, there's a mistake, that can't be right. They look enough alike to be sisters, if not twins, and I just started bawling. It's kind of heartbreaking now. I'm sorry. That's on the following edition of Suddenly Family, a production of CNN Philippines and Loomis Productions. Our editors are Lori Burke, Elizabeth Joseph, and Elaine Lee. Sound engineer, Levi Mercurio. Executive producer, Michelle Ancheta. Executive consultant, Armi Harin Bennett. This show is created, written, and hosted by me. I'm Samuel Burke. I have a responsibility as a journalist to tell the public what's going on. Now more than ever, the role of the media and journalists is extremely important. I make that first rough draft of history into again. As journalists, we deliver the news, we give the right kind of information. News really has the power to shape and influence a person's perspective of the world. It's about the people, it's about the stories. We verify, we confirm, we double check, we triple check from different sources. To give them the truth. Trust in one word, I would believe, is integrity. You can't force trust, you have to earn it. People can't 
trust me if they know that I don't know what I'm talking about. It can be very challenging, but it's very, very fulfilling. News. 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 News you can trust. News you can trust. This is CNN Philippines. News you can trust.